Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Vayegash and as we've read through the last two parashas, it's a whole saga in which Yosef is sold by his brothers to, to, um, to a caravan of uh, gypsies, of Ishmaelites, and they come down to Egypt and they sell him as a slave and we see how he ended up being this uh, slave in this uh, home of Potiphar, a very important uh, man in Egypt, and his wife tries to seduce him, and uh, eventually he, he, he runs away, and she, she says that he was, he was gonna rape her. He ended up in jail for 14 years, many years of his life, and uh, eventually he comes out, and he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh, and he becomes the viceroy of Egypt. Uh, at this moment in the parasha, this Vaigash, um, Joseph has done like a scheme to bring the brothers to the point in which they can do Teshuvah. Uh, he arranges everything, a sequence of events uh, that they would seem that they're uh, guilty of stealing and uh, how they are going to be with uh, Benjamin, the, the baby brother, which is not a baby anymore, but it's Joseph's little brother. Uh, they, they, he can see if they have come to repent about what they did to Joseph. So at this point uh, of the saga, we're like in, the, in that moment in which uh, Benjamin's sack is uh, searched. They find this, uh, this silver goblet in it and he's charged as a thief. He's gonna put uh, in Egypt as, um, as a slave to work and the brothers are gonna go back home. And at this point, Judah uh, decides that no way, he cannot do this to his father again. Uh, they see and they recognize that all that is befalling them comes from what they did to Joseph and they do Teshuvah. And Judah approaches, approaches Joseph and he says to him, to please uh, leave, leave this brother, let him go back to, ho to his home. If not, the father will die and that he will stay instead of him. So at that moment, Joseph reveals himself and he says, Ani Yosef, he can't hold it anymore. Ani Yosef, I am Joseph. The brothers come to him and they're like crying. They're all crying and uh, they are asking forgiveness from him. And he says, no, there's nothing to forgive here. Uh, whatever happened to me was meant to be. This is, was part of Hashem's plan. And uh, I have forgiven you a long time ago already. So we see here in the book of the inside story written by Rabbi Eli Tauger, uh, Yankee Tauber, I'm sorry, by Yankee Tauber. And it's, about, it's, it's, it's based on the works of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson of Blessed Memory. He, he says that in Tanhuma, it says, when Judah approached him in Genesis, it says in Tanhuma that when Judah and Joseph were confronting each other, the supernal angels said to one another, come, let us go down and watch the ox and the lion battling each other. And, uh, and we see that in the blessing to the children of Israel, Jacob and, and, and Moses compared the tribes to various 
animal. So we know that Joseph is like an ox and Jehuda is like a lion. And as a rule, the ox fears the lion. But in this case, the ox and the lion are still grappling with each other. And the contest between them shall endure until the coming of Messiah. So what is this telling us about the Messiah, the two brothers, the lion, the ox? What, what is this saying? So uh, the book of the inside story, it comes to say that Judah and Joseph are more than two individuals. They actually represent two paradigms of human life and two streams of Jewish history. And the sages even speak of two Messiahs. Uh, we know that uh, according to, to the Torah, there's gonna be two Messiahs. One is gonna be Messiah ben Yosef, who's gonna come first, and he's gonna prepare the world for the coming of the ultimate Messiah, who's gonna be Messiah ben David, who comes from the house of David, who, if you trace him back, comes from Yehuda. So the kingship of Israel belongs to Yehuda, and, um, and we see that uh, the Messiah descended from Joseph, who prepare, prepares the way for Messiah, from the royal house of David, from the tribe of Judah. So the name Joseph, when Rachel had Joseph, when she finally was able to have a baby, she, she named him Joseph, and this name means to add, and it represents the human drive to grow and develop. So every human being has a need to, to develop, to grow, to, to become better. And Judah means to submit. And, uh, and it represents the striving to serve a purpose greater than oneself. In, and in the Talmud, this dichotomy is presented the form of a debate between two leading scholars of the Talmud. One is Rabbi uh, Tarfon, and then there's Rabbi Akiva. And the question is, there was a query, which was uh, that they questioned themselves, uh, which was, which is greater, the learning or the deed? And so Rabbi Tarfon says that the deed is greater, the, action, the, the behavior, the mitzvot are greater. Rabbi Akiva, he says, no, learning is greater. And the conclusion is that learning is greater because learning brings a person to action. So learning is the devel development and improvement of the self, uh, while deed entails the servitude, servitude of the self. Uh, we know when we're learning Torah, we're learning the wisdom of Hashem. This is Torah is the wisdom of God. The mitzvot are his desire. So one is the will, one is the wisdom, and the other one is the will. And, um, and, the, and, the, and the question is, what is more important, Hashem's wisdom or Hashem's desire? So let's see what it comes here to teach us the, 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 the conclusion of this uh, Talmudic uh, question. And the conclusion reached by the assembled sages, they say that learning is greater because learning brings to deeds. So we know that it says that a person that learns Torah but doesn't put it into action, it, Torah can become like a poison to that person. If a, if, if a person learns Torah for the sake of heaven, to, to, to bring the, the, the divine presence to the world through the action, then the Torah becomes an elixir to, to the person, like an elixir to the neshama. So on one level, it seems to be saying that both positions in the debate are correct. It affirms that learning is greater, but only because it's gonna bring you to the deed. 
and the greatness comes from the deed. So if a person is learning, 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 but he never comes to do mitzvot, then it's like only um, uh, uh, like an, an intellectual uh, endeavor. And this is what the Greeks wanted. They, they didn't have a problem with learning Torah. They didn't have a problem with Jewish people being alive. They had no problem. They even taught Torah in their schools to non-Jewish people because intellectually it's a, it's a fascinating thing to learn. But what happened is that they didn't want the Jewish people to keep the mitzvot. So the mitzvot is what keeps a Jew alive. It's what keeps a Jew connected to the source. Um, it is through the deed that the Jew continues, uh, the neshama is connected to the, to the, to the source. If, if a person is learning, 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 but he does not do mitzvot, then the neshama is not connected to the source. So we see that in conclusion, that the deed is more important than the learning. And why express this in a statement that, that begins with the words, learning is greater? Would it not have been more appropriate to say deed is greater because learning brings to deed? And so, yeah, there, the discussion is like, why would you come to say that first is learning so you can come to the deed? So learning is more important so you can come to, to the deed. Why would the sages not say, yes, learning, learning, uh, uh, the deed is greater because it brings a person, the learning brings a person to the deed. So indeed, our ultimate task in life is to serve Hashem. In the words of the Talmud, it was created to serve my creator. Like the world was created so we can serve God. He created this world because he wanted a dwelling place in the lower realms. What does it mean that he wants a lower, a, a, a home in the lower realms? What does it mean? It means that he has a place where his, 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 his being is a revelation. So if the Jew or the other nations are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, then there's no revelation of God in the world and that ultimate is the revelation of Hashem. So as the Talmud says, I was created to serve my creator and, and the primary thing is not learning about action. But in order to do, we must learn and in order to serve, we must grow. And this is not only because we need to learn in order to know what to do, but also because everything we possess has a role to play in our service. So when the Jewish people received the Torah at Mount Sinai, for example, they didn't say we will learn and then we will do. They didn't say, let us learn the Torah and then we'll come to do. They said the opposite. They said, we will do and then we will learn because this was the moment in which they were accepting the wisdom of Hashem. They had no idea what they were getting into. They had no idea. But they understood that this was the purpose of their existence, that their, the purpose they had come to the world, the purpose they had been slaves in Egypt, the purpose that Hashem took them out of Egypt was actually to come to receive the Torah and to learn it and do it. But they said, okay, we will do and then we will learn because this, this also is a way when a person starts keeping mitzvot, but he really doesn't know a lot about them. He's just doing, eventually he has to come to learn about them because if not, he's not going to be able to do them in the right way. So to properly serve God, we must grow to understand experience, desire, and joy 
the, and enjoy the actions we do to fulfill the divine purpose in creation. It's very important that we serve Hashem with joy. Uh, that's part of the learning. When you understand what you're doing, you're going to have appreciation for what you're doing and you're going to do it with joy. You're going to do it with gusto. And so in the first stage, the emphasis is on the learning and growth. And the second stage reveals that also, also our self-development is to serve a purpose higher than ourselves. So yes, when you start keeping mitzvot, maybe the intention is not the right intention, right? And the rabbis tell you, like, if you're going to keep a mitzvah for the wrong reasons, just do it. Don't, don't, don't not do it until you know how to do it. Like, just do it. You want to start keeping Shabbat? Just do it. Start keeping Shabbat. And then you're going to learn. And then you're going to start doing, uh, you're going to start keeping Shabbat for the right reasons. And it's interesting. The most important thing is the foundation. The foundation, but the foundation is really invisible. It's like if you're going to buy an apartment, right? And uh, you go to the, to the sales office and they show you the plans of the building and they show you the plans of the apartment. So you're focused on the three bedroom apartment with the three bathrooms, with a kitchen, with a den, with a, a living room, with a dining room. You're, what type of view I'm going to have? What floor am I going to be? What amenities this apartment is going to bring me? That's what drives you to buy the apartment. Nobody's checking the foundation of the building. You're not going to go and see, okay, show me the foundation. Show me how, the, the width of the cement you use, which cement, which drywalls you use, from where they came from. Nobody asks these questions. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is the foundation. Because it, it can be a beautiful building, but if the foundation is not a strong foundation, then a hurricane comes or an earthquake comes and it's just gonna, it's just gonna crumble down. So the same is with the Torah and the mitzvot. Yeah, people keep mitzvot. It's very nice that you're keeping mitzvot. It's very beautiful. This is a nice apartment, but you need the foundation. You need to have a, a, a ground. You have to have a, 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 a solid, foundation that's gonna keep you strong because yes today you keep a certain mitzvah because it's 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 comfortable for you it makes you feel good people around you are keeping them it's the new fashion yeah now everybody all the men are putting on the film they're putting on the seat seats they're putting they're they're doing they're putting on a kippah women are lighting shabbat candles beautiful Something woke up inside of you. You're keeping the mitzvot, amazing. But then you have to learn because if you don't learn, okay, the war passes, everything passes, life goes back to normal. And you know what? Okay, no, not, it's not so needed now. It's not so needed now. So the reason why you kept it was not the right reason. And the reason we must keep the Torah and the mitzvot is Leshem Shamayim, for the sake of Hashem. But to really come to that point, a person needs to really understand to the best of his ability to understand why he does the things he does. And, uh, and so we see that in, in, in our lives, people have this quest for perfection and they're trying to be these perfected human beings, which is very commendable, and it's a, it's a need, an intrinsic need of a human being to feel that he's growing, to be healthy in mind, body, and, and soul. But at the end of the day, where's the foundation? And that's what's important. 
So what the rabbis are saying is, yes, first start doing, start learning, start doing the mitzvot, do them, do them, but you have to learn. You have to learn because this is what makes it eternal. And the learning is what really is, is valuable because the learning takes you to that other level, which is, okay, I'm not doing for me, I'm doing for God. It's, it's a selfless, altruistic way of serving Hashem. Yeah, there's things that he asks from us that are not very comfortable to do. They're not exactly what I want to do, you know? Uh, but you know what? You, it's the Torah. It's the mitzvah. You have to do it. You have to do it because this is what Hashem wants from you. I don't want to do it. If you look at me, there's things that I don't want to do them. If you ask me, I don't want to do it. But it's, it's irrelevant if I want to do it or not. And that's to the point that a person has to come to. It, who cares if you want to do it or not? It's not about how you feel. It's about doing. And it's about doing because this is what our Creator made us to be. This is the reason we're in this world. This is the purpose of our creation. This is the, the reason we're in this world. So in the era, in the era of Mashiach, however, when evil and ignorance will cease and, creation, and, and creation's divine potential for goodness and perfection will be realized, the deed will be paramount. So right now, we start, we start with the growth need to end up with the learning, which is to altruistically do for Hashem what He wants from us. But when Mashiach comes, it's going to be irrelevant if you do it if you, do, if you know or you don't know, because the, the evil of the world will cease to exist. There will be no more Yetzer Hara. There was, it's not about, oh, I don't want to do this mitzvah, but I do it because this is what Hashem wants from me. You're not, you're not going to have that issue anymore. It's going to be non-existent because you're not going to have a Yetzer Hara that's going to be fighting against you all the time to see if you do the mitzvah or you don't do the mitzvah. So when Mashiach comes, when this time comes, we're going to do because we're going to be able to appreciate the divinity in what we do. Right now, we don't see, we don't see, we don't, when you do a mitzvah, you don't see the angels dancing and singing and up there they're doing a whole party because you did a mitzvah. You don't see this. But when Mashiach comes, you're going to be able to see it. You're going to be able to see the power and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and how precious it is to do a mitzvah. So, uh, so we see that uh, we can come back to that spirit, to the deeper significance behind the conflict between Joseph and Judah. Joseph exemplified growth and self-enhancement, while Judah personified the service and self-abnegation. Judah's approach to Joseph described in the opening verse of the Torah section in Vayegash intimates a deeper soul-to-soul -soul uh, reproachment between Joseph and Judah, which are the elements of founding family of the people of Israel. The Judah element is acknowledging not only the necessity of the growth that Joseph represents, but also Joseph's more dominant role in the initial stages of development, of the development of, the, of Israel. Thus, Joseph becomes un uncontested leader of his brothers, in Egypt and a descendants of Joseph, Joshua and Gideon, who we see that later on they come and they fight for the conquest of the land of Israel. And so we see that eventually uh, Messiah will come 
and uh, will settle the land finally with peace, the peace in the world, in the whole world there, there's gonna be peace because we're gonna be able to come to that point in which people are gonna be able to recognize the truth. And uh, right now in the moment of history that we're in this moment, we're in a moment in which we are growing and we're connecting. And this is what's happening right now. The, the, the level of, of, um, of shift, it's shifting the conscience of the world. It's a moment of shift, of growth. And so there's a prophecy uh, by Ezekiel, which is the Haftarah of this week that we read, that is uh, parallel to this Torah portion, where it says the resolution of this rift is a key element of the ultimate messianic redemption, which will bring about the perfection of the world in the harmonious service of its creator, as described in the Haftarah reading from the prophets, that is read in the conjunction with the Torah reading of Vaigash. Does the Torah reading and the Haftarah mirror each other across the expanse of Jewish history? Well, in the opening verses of Aigash, Judah acknowledges the predominance of Joseph in the initial stages of Israel's mission. In the Haftarah, the prophet Ezekiel describes the ultimate reconciliation between Joseph and Judah, and this time with Joseph's acknowledgement of Judah's sovereignty and leadership. In Ezekiel's prophecy, the basis of Judah's right to the kingship is also emphasized because he's God's servant. He's the eternal leader of Israel. So we have to come to that point in which we do because we serve Hashem and we're not a servant like the, 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 the Pirkeavot says, don't be, a, uh, don't be a servant to see what you get from what you do. We should not do to, for Hashem expecting anything in return. We should do Leshem Shamayim for the sake of heaven, for, because this is what God wants, because this is why I exist. And that's it. And keep it simple. So the world has to move into that direction. So I wish you a blessed week. May we see peace, an eternal peace with the coming of Messiah eventually. And uh, I want to wish you a blessed, blessed week. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.